Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest. Actually, we've been excited to have this conversation for a while. We've been talking about it for a few days. I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Brandy Ligren in the house. What's up? <laughs> How you doing, Brandy? <laughs> Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for the warm welcome. I don't. I don't know why I do that. I feel like every single time I do in these podcasts, like my, like I think it was a kid. I watched WWE a lot, and it's like that's what I think of every single. I don't know, and I guess maybe a bunch of other podcasters do it too. But I have no idea why I do that. But no, the opening <laughs> is is all the difference. <laughs> hey, Brandy, for everyone out there that's watching and listening right now, and kind of don't know who you are or kind of how you got started in the industry, I love starting each one of our podcasts off a little origin story because I'm so fascinated to find out how people got into this crazy world we call the automotive industry. So, so what is the automotive origin story that is Brandy? Uh, where does it start? Um, so I will start by saying I've stopped saying I've been in auto finance for X years because uh, that's starting to date me. <laughs> but I've been in auto finance and insurance since I was 19. Um, very long time. I've stepped in over 350 dealerships, all for a different reason, whether it be a lender, uh, product, consulting, relief. Um, I have a very curious mind, uh, so that's really given me a very unique insight to dealerships, uh, their processes, how they're run, the platforms, you know, mm -hmm. style, product, lenders. Um, in that time, I've uh, spent really half of it with lenders such, I, I represented it as a lender uh, rep. So I've, I've repped for companies like Carfinco, AmeriCredit, uh, TD Prime, RBC. That really was some of the best experience, right? Because you're getting to know the insides of the lenders. Oh, and yeah, tons of insight. In that, in that sense, you're actually uh, really forced to understand your competitors that much more. So really gives, uh, it made me research my lenders that much greater and have more insight that way. Um, uh, the other half of the time I intermittently spent in dealerships. So anything from finance to corporate director to uh, GSM to uh, consulting, uh, wide, wide variety. So uh, most of my uh, recent experience has been uh, you know, corporate side, GSM side. Um, although now I'm working on some really great, exciting projects that are bringing innovation and creative solution to the industry that is so stagnantly needed. A hundred percent. And I think the our, our big topic today needs a lot of that, right? Uh, this industry is definitely one of those industries that once it gets into you, it, 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 it doesn't come out. You can't get it out, right? So it doesn't surprise me that, uh, like me, you've been on both sides of the fence. You've been on the dealer operation side and on the vendor side and bounce kind of back and forth. We do a lot of teeter-tottering like that. But uh, today's today's kind of overall theme is retention, which I'm so excited to have this conversation because I think as an industry, we spend way too much time talking about acquisition, acquisition. We have to acquire, we have to acquire, we have to acquire. I mean, when it comes to acquiring staff, when it comes to acquiring new customers, 
And we just don't spend enough just focusing internally. And I think during COVID, and I hate to identify any type of silver lining out there during a pandemic, but you know, if there is a silver lining to identify, a lot of dealerships will suck back in and start looking internally at their processes, such as retention. And I find they'll usually get better around this time. I remember the same thing happening back in like 2008 when we hit that recession, right? So I, I think the first topic, I think the first direction I want to go today with you is I want to talk about staff retention, because I'm a firm believer that if you have happy staff, you have happy customers, right? Mm-hmm. But and I think too often we confuse staff retention for barbecues and gifts. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, not really abso- the case. Absolutely. So what are your thoughts? When, when you hear staff retention processes, all right, what's, what comes to mind for you? First and foremost, education. You know, we stick people in every level of a dealership out on the floor, out in service. And we say, yeah, watch these videos, you know, uh, uh, follow the what the manufacturer says and, and go from there. And right off the bat, you're not really instilling your own dealership's uh, culture. Right. Where does this matter? Right. And, and the training that goes in right from the beginning on on even how to handle the client, overcoming the objection, those things, I think education right off the bat uh, feeds into process, right? Not only being educated on the product, but being educated on the process of the dealership. Uh, People like structure, they like predictability, both the clients and your staff. So especially in this industry that can be so unpredictable. Oh, for sure. So I think, you know, starting off with making sure that your staff is, educated and equipped with everything that they need and and education is empowering. I think I think you're 100% right. You know, when it comes to education, I think too often we spend so much time, you know, just uh kind of I guess educating our um our staff on what to do. Here's here here are the 14 steps that you need to achieve to get a sale done and we don't spend enough time I think educating on the why. Right. And that really that's, that really connects. I'm thinking about this for myself. When I was a young, young salesperson, all right, I, I did what most young sales people did. I bounced around from kind of dealership to dealership trying to find that good home. And actually, I remember having this manager who, funny enough, uh, had no intention of ever being in the car business. I'm sure like a lot of us out there. Uh, but his actual background school was psychology. And so then he was really in all of his manager meetings, really kind of teaching not only the process of how to sell a car, but also kind of the psychology behind it. And yes. I, and as a young salesperson, I was excited. Like I physically and emotionally look forward to having Saturday morning meetings with this person because I always felt like there was something new that I was going to learn from them and really kind of understanding the why behind it, you know, I think created this, this retention of glue. I mean, I stayed with that dealership for a very long time because I felt like there was always something more for me to connect to. Is that, is that kind of what you're thinking? Yes. Purpose. And that is exactly it. Actually the why, you know, for example, take F and I products. F&I products have all been created and really the department itself was created not only as a sales arm, but also as a a seller of retentive products. 
keeping keeping those customers in house. And when we look at even today's mm-hmm. business manager trained that the way that they are, they're trained not for the retention. They have not been told that the warranty that they sell brings the customer to service. The the tire and uh, any ancillary products brings them to parts. The lease repeats customer and brings new inventory into a dealership. Nobody has taught those whys. And I feel we've come so far from them. Um, unless you've got such a strong manufacturer influence helping with understanding those retentive reasons and why they're there, not just not just the sale behind it, it'll make all the difference. For sure. I mean, look, I think any salesperson I've met that is just told to do something but doesn't necessarily believe or understand or even know the why behind we do something, all right, is not they're not nearly as inclined to stay with that dealership over a long period of time. You know, I think what we're talking here is when I think of like staff retention processes, it's that the processes that need to be consistently executed so that we can stop that thing that we call the revolving door. Like, why is that? Why in our industry, we are so comfortable with saying, eh, it's a revolving door. Like, but it's a weird thing. Like, why do you think we're so, so used to saying that? I don't need, I, I, I can't see what the reasoning is. I really don't, you know. This is the thing that has baffled me in the industry is yeah, that, like we accept you know, it. sales. What's that? We accept the fact that it's a revolving door. So weird, eh? We do accept the fact that it's a revolving door. Yet, if anybody was told that in sales, you know, one of the biggest tickets is staying at the same store for a very long period of time and building that so that it comes. Absolutely. And yet the opposite has happened. We haven't trained even that. We haven't told people, hey, you know, here's uh, here's your imprint for success or your, your floor plan for success. And here's what you have to do to execute. And by doing these things, this will bring you that. You know what I mean? Like it's- 100%. I love the fact that you brought up success, right? Because, you know, I was actually just in a big group meeting recently and uh, staff, look, it's a little tough right now. Uh, where we are right now, we're still in lockdown. Supposedly, it's a stay-at-home mandate. I don't, I don't know exactly what that means. I was on the highway yesterday and it was nothing but bumper-to-bumper traffic, but whatever. Um, but the issue that the dealership's kind of having is kind of some staff, I guess, um, morale, right? Like it's this constant up and down, not knowing what's going on is kind of affecting them, right? And, you know... One of the things that they're struggling with right now is just the staff just really kind of owning the dealership's, you know, goals and objectives, right? Their success of the dealership, right? So, you know, they've done a great job as far as defining what the success of each of the group, the dealerships are within the group, right? But mm-hmm. they, the success of the dealership doesn't necessarily translate to a staff member success. And I no. think we have, to, we have to, as an industry, we have to acknowledge that what success looks like as a dealership doesn't necessarily look like success to the individual people within the dealership. And, you know, I I started spending some time with them in building actual, you know, success profiles for each individual within the dealership. And I think that's a great process to actually retain someone because it's it's one thing that we want to impose our why or our goal onto a staff member. But it's another thing when we're actually open to listening to understand their why and what success looks like for them and then also take ownership of that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and 100%. And actually profiling, um, this is such a huge topic, uh, in my opinion, because we have this box of what a position is, right? Exactly. you got to do the good and the bad. And that is so company counterproductive. It's <laughs> yeah. almost asinine. I, I think there's a fair amount of people that could be listening right now and actually shaking their heads and agreeing with us on this. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. the key is 
how, how, how do you build that into a process so that it, it's yeah. consistently executed, right? Because an idea is only as good as how well it can be executed. You, but you're, you you're right on a few that? notes and a few things come to mind as you say this, because, you know, the one, the first thing that's going to interrupt there, it's almost like that the chicken or the egg come first, right? The one thing that's going to interrupt a process mm-hmm. is turnover. Oh, Every cool. single time you have turnover, a sales manager, a business manager, finance, uh, you know, GSM doesn't matter. They're all coming in and we all have to make ourselves look good. So we start to implement process from our previous companies, our previous stores. This is how we did it. You do it this way, but I don't like that. You know, letting those leniencies happen right off the bat and not having that structure right to begin with is truly, you know, the second you have turnover in staff, you're going to have turnover in customers. It's that simple, right? Those are such huge contributing factors. But when we look at the problem for for retaining staff, it is to me, it's so much process. Like you say, if, if nobody has this template to begin with, then like it's almost a disservice to any new staff you hire. I totally agree. Well, I like what you said earlier, because you called it a blueprint. And I I actually think that's really cool. Right. I mean, I'm thinking to myself right now, if I was to go out and, you know, start up a new dealership and, you know, look, I've actually learned a lot of this actually after having the dealership. So this is funny because this goes into kind of, you know, being, you know, my emotional intelligence, which honestly is not overly high, uh, but I've learned and I've been kind of through this kind of journey of kind of self-awareness and kind of understanding like why I feel the certain ways. And so it's like, so this, this is something I would do if I was to start up a new dealership is that as I'm bringing staff in, I would blueprint, all right, what success looks like to them. And then I think as a manager or an owner, it'd be my responsibility to connect uh, my dealership's blueprint to success and my staff's blueprint to success and how they put together. You know, thoughts that on is that? so That's so brilliant. And take it a step further. Imagine the passion that's going to come out of your staff yeah. As they're actually talking about their passion, what they're excited for, what they think would be success in, in their own manner and their own department and their own position. It's powerful. No, I'm with you. I think, you know, what we've covered kind of so far when we're thinking of like staff retention, right, is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, training is a big thing. But I think training and educating are kind of two different things. So I think yeah. sometimes as an industry, what we do is we look as training and, and we kind of approach training. Well, well, training will help with my retention. The better they're trained, the better they sell, the better they sell, the more likely they'll stay. All right. But training and educating are kind of two different things. So just I think anybody out there watching, listening, make sure that in your training, there is a educational part to it around the why you're training the way you're training and the activities that you're training on. Right. Not enough just train on the activities. You got to train on the why for those activities. I think that's the one. And then the second one we just got done talking about, which I think is great, is that you were talking about, I love the way you kind of, you said blueprint to success, right? A blueprint to success for the dealership needs to be clearly mapped out. And I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of a whiteboard. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm in my garage right now, but I seriously, I was going to get my husband to bring down my big whiteboard and keep my notes on the hand. Yeah, no, I'm a geek that way. I'm I'm the same way. In fact, actually, as we're talking right now, I have my, my notes are actually on my whiteboard right over there, kind of in my inline of sight with the camera. So I can actually keep looking up there. (laughs) But, but no, I think that's, I think it's just a great process is that you blueprint your dealership success. All right. And then also, Review that blueprint because it's going to change, you know, that it could change quarterly. It could change definitely yearly, you know, but, you know, for sure, at least yearly, if not quarterly, I would I would definitely um, relook at that blueprint. But then also 
every time a new staff member is coming in, you blueprint their success and you go back again quarterly or yearly and review that blueprint and realize if anything changes to it. Don't you think? No, absolutely. And, you know, you kind of nailed something that I think is such an important topic, especially in the dealer world, is actually the difference of working in it versus working on it and being mm. mindful of both. Yeah. You know, asking staff to lay it out and then also to revise it means they're consciously conscious of the process that they're working on and you know in any position in a dealership there are two roles Mm -hmm. you do have to work on it where you're dealing with the customers and you're dealing with the day-to-day and then you have to step back and you actually have to work on it and I think that you know a lot of dealerships you know I'm not going to judge positions but when people get to certain stages a little bit of checkout okay. happens, right? So, sure. you know, we get to a certain level of comfort zone, whatever the reasoning being, and we stop working on it. And that's exactly. when it all stops. It, it is. That's, that's where it starts to fall apart is, is that. But also, look, I got to be honest with you. I don't know. See, if we didn't blueprint our sales team, then we probably definitely did not blueprint the success for our management team. And it just, yeah. it, all, it all kind of trickles down, right? So yeah. like, if, if, as a dealership, if you've never blueprinted each staff member success, then you can't expect your managers to do that and then own the knowledge behind that, right? See, there's one thing, what it said, ignorance is bliss. All right. So here's the issue we run into, which I I actually think, look, I think there's some great dealerships out there that do this right now. In fact, actually, I got no problem admitting some of the most successful dealerships I've ever had the opportunity to meet with or sit down with actually do do something like this on on a quarterly or even sometimes a monthly kind of basis, right? Um, but I, I'm thinking that if we don't train our managers to do this, then how can we ever expect them to take ownership of the knowledge that that individual person's blueprint to success actually gives them in the first place? No, absolutely. But that really comes back to culture, right? Are you yes. a store of culture that, you know, and this is, we have this conversation and there's so many different platforms for dealers right so to preface this it's you know you could be a a store that buys leads and that is a whole different conversation obviously but if you're actually working with an organic uh database of your clients it is so important to be to be working on it to be current with them you know what there's a huge stat that says like i think it's like in the 80s that a salesperson or that a client doesn't remember a salesperson within a year of buying a car See, there you go. See, that, that's just messed up, isn't it? I mean, that actually, look, that's a perfect segue kind of into our next topic because we've spent the kind of the last first part of this podcast talking about, you know, staff retention. Now let's start talking about client retention because that, yeah. what you just said there, that's messed up. Like you made one of the largest purchases. I mean, I can still give you the name of my real estate agent and it's been nine years. Yeah. You know? So, so, so let's talk about some client retention processes. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you're kind of on to that first one. Yeah. Well, and uh, even if we're going to like, when we talk about processes, yes. And and more importantly, even the products that are in, you know, the process to, you know, if we think about even follow up on sales, that means that, you know, everybody did what they were supposed to do. They did sure. their call after delivery and they did their call a week later and then they stopped. Now, yes. does this happen? Like there's so many different variables. Does this happen because, 
you know, the, the staff left and now the customer is in the database and it's orphaned. Does it happen because that salesperson wasn't smart enough to take the client data? You know what I mean? Where does it happen that, that you're falling out of a customer's realm of their, you know, I was taught that buying a car is your second, sometimes people's first biggest purchase. 100%. How, like you say, you named your realtor. How are we dropping the ball so much that they don't even know the salesperson's name? And as a matter of fact, to add to that, in my time in finance, more people always came back to see me than they ever came back to see their, their salesperson, which is I know I'm memorable. Like I try, I really, and I'm not being cheeky. Yeah, no, no, I no. try to make a very memorable experience that obviously contributes. I just, I find that such an insane stat. And it's a process that has to be clearly defined, documented and executed on a regular basis and then uh, checked for efficiencies. So yes. no, look, look, yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I find too often we, as an industry, we, there's a lot of dealerships out there that look at client retention as just a CRM campaign. So at 90 days after purchase, 180 days after purchase, 375 days after purchase, 1,516 days after purchase, 3,000, you know, it's stupid. And all these things, you get these uh, automated um, communications and the communications are not specific to the individual. They're like, Mm -hmm. we have a sales event going on. Well, that's great. You've only notified me 17 times in the last three years of ownership that you have a sales event going on yeah that's not retention right no and that's why even in the beginning even bringing up the type of store you are the platform you use do you sell leads or do you uh, go with organic are you a small neighborhood store obviously all contributing factors mm-hmm. um and i'm not judging either you know i i i always just feel that there are you know the store that goes after their organic database uh cares they're the ones that care about you know, the process in the meantime, or at least they're trying to. So, you know, we go through all these different uh, contributing factors. um, But, you know, what is, there's not just one solution, but what are some of the solutions for them? And this is the thing we, you know, look at what your manufacturer, use your manufacturer. If you're a franchise store, you know, they have so much data. We're in a world of data right now. So much data that you should to be not paying attention to what what they're saying to leasing to certain products to certain you know even using a manufacturer lender over a bank lender matters to dealer retention so you know again back to education are we educating ourselves enough in the first place of what our options and and what you know our manufacturers have done all the homework for us so you know where's the disconnect well, disconnect disconnect means they had implied that there was a connection. <laughs> See, so, <laughs> so that's the, yeah, the point. So that, that's Silly actually, brandy, I think, I, I think that's the fundamental issue right here is that we don't have a process to actually connect with yes. the person. Now, look, we, look, some of the most successful dealerships out there do a great job at training, coaching, and developing their staff to have relationship selling. Right. Mm-hmm. Because look at the core, that's what we're looking for. Like I look, I can buy that same Nissan Altima at 37 locations. All right. Mm-hmm. The reason I chose yours is because I connected in a way that I trust and feel comfortable. And I'm connected to that individual or the dealership, depending on oh, what the circumstances were. Right. But then yeah. once once the then once we sell the customer, we're like, okay, 
Now you're just a, a number within our CRM system, and you'll get automatic notifications when we have sales events moving forward for the next five and a half And years. that is exactly <laughs> it. We're expecting people to be loyal when we're really not even being loyal ourselves. We're not like, loyal what, to them at all. What do you all? do for your client beyond the, time, or beyond the time of sale? What are you doing for them? Are you, are you keeping them educated? Have you, you know, kept them involved in in your community efforts, what, exactly. you know, how, how are you presenting yourself? And that's, you know, there's that, you know, it's, it's that transition from staff and client retention to actually the retention cycle. Like how yes. does that look for a dealer? And I think, you know, so many variables pay in, not only how does that look for a dealer, but how does that look for a manufacturer? You know, we can talk about, Hey, dealers should be at this level of retention. But, you know, one thing I found in preparing for this talk is that right out the gate, you know, you've got the variable of manufacturer retention, right? Mm -hmm. So different tools that each manufacturer has created to keep you, your clients uh, retained, but also uh, even vehicle type, you know, like 60% of truck owners are going to buy another truck. It might not be the same, you know, manufacturer. So, so now you've got all these contributing factors that really do contribute to the cycle, right? Yes. And, and what support do you have? And are you actually utilizing that support? Because again, you have to take off your working on it hat and now you have to work in it or sorry, you have to take your working in it hat and now you have to work on it. So, you know, where is that balance and what are you doing to utilize all the tools you're given? All you right. Know, so, okay. Yeah. So, so with, with that said, all right, I don't know if necessarily, uh, look, I don't expect my OEM to do a great job as far as retention of the customers. Like I look at loyalty offers. I'll give you an example of loyalty offers. I actually am disappointed in loyalty offers, right? So the, the, the manufacturer, all right, waits until the very end of a customer's ownership cycle and says, Hey, by the way, buy another one. I'll give you an extra thousand bucks off. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like, you're willing to reacquire that customer at a cost of thousand dollars because simply you haven't done a great job of just retaining their brand loyalty over the course of the entire ownership. So I actually, I look at the dealerships and this is how, this is how I'll talk to them. I say, look, it's your responsibility at a dealership level to, to retain that brand loyalty. Cause don't expect your, look, your manufacturer will do a loyalty coupon, you yeah. know, but think about that. If a thousand dollars, if you were to take that thousand dollars off the life of that customer, all right, what could you do with that thousand boxes of slapping it at the end? Like, like, I don't like, I'm not going to go buy another Nissan right now, just because you have a thousand dollar loyalty. I don't really care. That is not, that nothing there does it for me. Right. So it's like no. what the communications that the dealership has had with me over the last four years, I've owned that car. Now that's a reason I'll go back and buy it. Absolutely. And this is the other thing dealers actually have to recognize is that now more than ever, that loyalty matters the most. You, we are up against online blind, buying platforms exactly. that are trying to take the dealer out. And so if you don't have a loyalty with your client, say bye-bye. That's <laughs> your, your local relationship matters immensely. And I mean, it's your relationship, but I think that a relationship also starts with what you're doing to be part of that that uh, uh, neighborhood at the end of the day, right? So uh, more than ever, dealers, you know, the retention side is is so important. It's crucial. Well, I like the fact that you use the word value, right? Because like every relationship requires value, okay? Um, I, I There has to be a value 
connection or proposition for me to continue to be connected in a relationship of any kind, right? There's so so I mean I, I look at it as like why like what is the value to being connected to my dealership after I purchase the vehicle? Mm-hmm. And you see, I don't think necessarily as a dealership we've identified what those value propositions are. Do you have thoughts? I do. And you know what? That's interesting because that's the fact that I mean if we're talking US that's a whole different ballgame, but the fact that retention dies off so much the second they get into service is another thing that actually blows my mind. Uh, Another disconnect. So, you know, and why are, you know, why are those levels acceptable? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the, the other thing I was going to mention is that uh, one stat that I read is that on average, like, I think it's, you know, buying a new customer costs you five times more than retaining one. A hundred percent. 100%. And so, okay. So, and you know, when I do training of any type, the first thing I start with is when is the last time you went car shopping? Because if we're not even starting with training to show our staff, how terrible the industry is to begin with, how you can easily stand out, how you can make yourself different from the lumdrum people that 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 customer has experienced up until they walked into your door. It really is about being different. You know, the, the, um, what is it? Uh, you know, the definition of insanity. <laughs> yeah. Doing the same thing over and over expecting different results. And more importantly, we're, we're watching dealers that are semi-successful that we've allowed this benchmark of retention to be okay. And we're using that as the okay. Everybody is doing the same thing. Nobody is being unique. Nobody is being different. Yep. Nobody is is doing anything to make themselves stand out. Well, it's, just, so... it's just a matter of actually setting a goal. See, look, look. Here's at the end of the day, like you know, when I'm working Profile. with when, exactly when I'm work when I'm working with dealerships and we're looking at you know their sales efforts. The first thing I do is split their volume between new acquisition and retention, and, we, and just we, often we don't do that. Right. And when we do do that, it's literally just looking at lease retention. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, 60% of your sales last month was to existing customers. Okay. Well, that's great. How many of those were leases? Almost 90%. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's definitely some opportunities. We are so quick to throw millions of dollars. All right. Annually at like acquiring new. And we don't sit there and ask the simple question of why would someone want to buy a car from me after four or five years of doing business with me? What do I do for them? What do I do for them? Right. And I think there's look, when I think about connecting to a brand, I find it's I personally connect with a brand for one of two reasons, either because they because I I, I get educated on something um, or I'm entertained. All right. And so there's value in education and entertainment. And I think at dealerships, we can do this pretty easily. All right. But we just don't seem to think that way. I'm not sure no, why. You're right. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> again, that's like reasoning with unreasonable. <laughs> no, it is. Right. Well, then that kind of is like that's a perfect segue kind of into our next topic. Right. It's the cycle of retention. And we'd mentioned this a little bit earlier kind of in our conversation as well. when We were talking about like this is not just a CRM campaign. So, no. you know, like what, when you hear of kind of like the cycle of retention, what are you kind of your first thoughts? Like, how, how would you, like, how would you, in a perfect dealership world, right? How would you kind of build that cycle of retention within a dealership? 
honestly, I really truly believe the first place I would focus on is in the products that finance sells. Okay. And only because they have been created for return, you know, dealers have stepped up, manufacturers have stepped up, started offering prepaid maintenance packages, um, you know, everything about the tools and finance feed into your dealership, everything. Uh, it makes all the difference if they're going to end up in service, you know, like even they talk about lease retention, you know, having a high lease penetration, how much it affects your surface retention. So, you know, again, we're like I, I was mentioning about the fact that business office sell every product in there is about retention. And yet most business managers focus on one or two products. And it's typically the products that actually make them the most amount of money. It's not the ones that are designed to actually retain the customer. I know. So like like this, the problem is is what we designed the F and I box. I hate the fuck we call it. I hate hate the fact we call it a fucking box. (laughs) Worst thing in the possible world. You know, one day I actually heard a salesperson say that to a customer. Now I knew I saw the look on his face instantaneously when he said it. He was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just said that out loud. Um, but he did. He's like, follow me to the box. Um, follow me to the box. Uh, but, but, but no, look, look, we, we look at F and I, F and I hundred percent can be designed Our F and I efforts all right, or after sales efforts even can, can be designed for retention. But right now it's not, that's not our goal and objective. Our goal and objective is profitability. So how do we balance yeah. that out? So fully loaded. Um, And you know what? It's also, I really think it is about just educating them in that process. You know, saying, okay, you know, I'm not saying to take away if they sell warranty and they're great at it. I believe in warranty. It's a fantastic product. It is important on many levels. It's a form of insurance. But if they're only selling warranty because they're only offering warranty, it is a disservice on every level. Sure. You know, but again, that refers back to process. Keeping your process the same every single time for every single customer, being predictable, fully disclosing, all of those things contribute. Um, This is, you know, even when we started this conversation, there isn't a fix-all. You know what I mean? I my mind trails off to things like, you know, uh, it's you still have to have a culture. And I don't know if that happens when the staff is brought in. I don't know if that happens, you know, do you, you know, personality tests, but bringing in a certain type of culture is actually, you know, on every level is what sets the bar. It's what makes your, your store unique. And, you know, we, part of us, you know, putting people in a box of what their position is and not profiling them properly in the first place. And also putting them in a box of the industry standard of pay is such a detriment to a dealership's full purpose and their full contribution. I, you know, this industry is, re- is so rewarding, you know, but it, you do have to put that in at the same time. But I think what it is, 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 is as a dealership, we have to train our staff on uh, looking at the purchase as a holistic purchase that affects all departments. And the problem is, is that since we isolate these departments into these islands, it's like the customer gets transitioned from one island to the next, to the next, to the next. And each island has its own P&L, has its own portion on the statement with its own expenses and its own profitability. You know, So look, it's no wonder that as like, let's say F&I, for example, is perfect. They don't give a crap what happens after 
they leave that box and they get moved over Most. to the service department. And the service department doesn't give a crap about how, you know, they don't get moved over to the accessories or parts departments and they can go buy it somewhere else because they're so focused on their one thing. I mean, I'll give you an example. Like, I mean, I would actually commission um, existing customer purchases different than new customer purchases. All right, because I yeah. want and 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 I would Absolutely. also commission both the front and back for that because I wanted yeah. it to be a working type relationship versus one that was just pinging against each other. Um, but if but it, if we're not looking at it holistically, there's no way we're ever going to embrace the whole concept of a retention cycle. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's just it. You know exactly that rewarding for the different stages because now. You know, if, if the one focus, I hate to say it, but if the one focus is on gross and don't shoot me, we all want to make money. Um, but if it's on that and not the bigger picture, uh, that is the most short-sighted approach you could ever ask for, in my opinion. You know, the rewards come from the longevity and you nail something that again comes back to culture though, like stating they don't give a crap. That is the unfortunate part is they don't give a crap. And that fucking infuriates me it because does. here is somebody spending a large amount of money and we've taken that experience and customer experience is a whole different topic, but we've taken that experience and we've bastardized it. That's <laughs> so true. Like we really have. Man. <laughs> you know, I like, I'll, I'll be honest. I, if I get good service, and probably because I'm in the service industry, but if I get good service, even if it costs me a little bit more, I'm like, I, you know, I want to support too. I want to support, you know, the story you told me, you listened to my story. You called me on my birthday. You called me on my car's birthday, like whatever it is, but we're not, you know, we've made it so about the one focus and it's costing us. Well, you know, it's, and it's costing us where we're online uh, companies have now come to a platform where they can compete with a dealer and they're getting away with it. Well, hundred percent. And they also, because they actually understand the value of retention. So like every other industry out there understands the value of retention so much so that they'll talk more about retaining customers. All right. And how to keep retaining customers versus necessarily acquiring them. Look, look the more we look, our cost to retain is lower than our cost to acquire. All right. So that means our profit margins are going to be a lot higher on those individual ones because look, no dealership out there actually calculates the acquisition cost against the gross profit of the car. All right. Mm -hmm. All they do is just look at the gross profit of the car, but they didn't realize that it cost them this much. All right, to bring that existing customer in and purchase that 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 car with a 1500 gross, all right, versus it costs this much to acquire the person to come and do the same $1500 gross. Like we are just not as an industry, we just don't we just don't train, we don't train on that, but it's also see like every other industry out there, right, deems their success based on their customer retention except for automotive. We base our yeah. success on just the sheer amount of volume that we pump out. Isn't that weird? Mm -hmm. And that is exactly it, right? Everybody cares about your numbers. What did you do last month, you know, compared to the year before, compared to, you know, this, a different manufacturer. Yep. You know, the other thing that you hit there is the, you know, the cost to acquiring, you know, like if you only based, you know, if you could be in a position where you only based yourself on retentive uh, business, I would be so, so, so shocked to see the numbers because, you know, we, we say that the cost to acquire or buy a lead or whatever, a new client, whatever the case is, is up to five times more. Um, 
But is there even any guarantee that that customer is going to stay ours as well? You know, you're, you, it's a one time. And if you don't have that culture of longevity and retention in the first place, chances are the, the, you know, five times you paid for that client isn't going to benefit your database any further ahead. It's such a losing battle. It's almost shocking. It, it really is. And, you know, I think that's a great place to kind of cap off our conversation because you really, I mean, look, that sums it up the best, right? Mm -hmm. Is that it's just where our focus is on profit. And if that's the case, then why is our focus not on retention and its constant acquisition? But again, if these processes that we've talked about so far, the, the staff retention processes and the client retention processes and, and really understanding and mapping out the cycle of retention for your dealership, right? If you're not spending the time to do this stuff, then you're just you just kind of going about your day by going about your day. And yeah. we kind of talked about earlier, you're right. You're never going to get better. And, and look, we've seen this happen. We've both seen this happen. We've seen dealerships yes. that have executed on everything that we've talked about today. And I've seen their P&L statements. <laughs> I've seen their volume. Like I've seen their happy customers and their happy staff. And it's gorgeous, right? Mm -hmm. But look, I think if, if if anything, if it's a little slower in your dealership right now and you're watching, listening to this, like it, this is a great, great time to ensure that you are setting up those retention processes and setting up and mapping out what success looks like, not only for yourself, but also also for your staff. Uh, but before uh, before I let you go, Brandy, um, I know there's some cool and new exciting things going on with you. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on? Yeah, you know, uh, us even having this topic of this conversation uh, to do with process retention, et cetera, is truly been probably one of the biggest struggles I have had in my career and especially on the more uh, senior levels of management that I've the positions I've held because I've struggled with knowing that I have to improve numbers yet process is a shit show so um <laughs> over the last I'd say close well over the 23 years but over the last year I've started to build a system hence the shirt uh it's called disclose it I, it really does so many things to wrap it up in a nutshell. It is a dealer system. It's a dealer process system. Um, and it really does educate and um, um, really inform the consumer throughout the buying process. Uh, the kind of tagline is, you know, that the only dealer system driven to build buyer confidence the whole premise is focusing on disclosure, disclosure of the vehicle, disclosure of products, disclosure of manufacturer options versus dealer alternatives, giving your client an informed, uh, educated decision on your vehicle, even compared to another one. Right down to like, you know, even tools built in like cash conversions, helping consumer understand the big difference of all the payment options right down to products. So um, it really, the big focus, I've worked with a lot of stores and they have all these forms everywhere. These tracking, you know, we've got this Excel all spreadsheet that tracks where the customer is. And we got this Excel spreadsheet that tracks grows. This ties everything as well. So this is going to track your customer. It's going to track how long the customer has been in the system. It's going to ensure that you focus on the deals that are most important. And it's going to ensure that when the customer shows up, it's ready which is a whole other topic that I don't want to get into, but more times, more times than not, I was even just buying a vehicle with my niece and she knew I was an industry person and we postponed our appointment for even a day. Um, and even, you know, like we'll call it even 48 hours altogether. So she had ample time. And when we got there, what was she doing? 
She was wiping down the vehicle in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> it it all on, comes man. down to process. And because you know what? You're 100% right, though. Look, um, the most successful dealerships out there that I've met and worked with, the reason they're most successful is because the little things make big differences to them. And they've embraced a culture around little things because it's the little things that make and break a deal. All right. Uh, it's never a big thing because if it's a big thing as an industry, we'll, we'll, we'll identify it and we'll fix it super fast. Right. Yep. But it's those little things that make a big difference in any piece of technology out there, any system out there that can assist in those little things. That's that that is huge. Uh, hey, Brandy, before I let you go, though, for everyone out there that's watching and listening and would love to kind of continue this conversation and connect or connect with you, what is the best way to do so? Awesome. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, obviously, Facebook. No, uh, LinkedIn, <laughs> uh, even my website, uh, disclose.ca. Uh, you can call me even direct. Our toll free number is 1 877 D I S K L O Z. So give me a call, give me an email. Brandy at disclose.ca works as well. Uh, would love to hear from you. Would love to continue this conversation and would love to come back for future conversations. I Absolutely. appreciate your time. Hey, this has been a lot of fun, Brandy. Thank you so much for jamming with me today. You have yourself an amazing day. You as well. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.